Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I am your host, Ama Grigic, and today with me is uh, Eddie Chustovic. He's uh, the founder of the uh, Beha Futures Foundation. So, uh, welcome, Eddie. Oh, thank you so much, Amir. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, you're in uh, <laughs> far away Australia, so <laughs> it's it's funny to uh, to talk to you on uh, on uh, Zoom and uh, having you on the show as well. So I would like to start off with uh, a little bit about your background. So could you uh, tell a little bit about that and also how you got to start the foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, let me send out my greetings to all the wonderful people in the Netherlands. And I am speaking to you in the middle of the state of Victoria, about 200 kilometers north of Melbourne. So I'm, you could say I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to speak to, to you and all of the people. So a little bit about me. Uh, by background, uh, I was born in Tuzla in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and I moved to Australia as a refugee, as an 11-year-old kid. And uh, this is where I gained all of my education. Uh, I gained an undergraduate degree in electronics engineering. I have a master's in entrepreneurship innovation and a PhD in space physics and uh, radar design. So basically, I've had a very, uh, let's say, illustrious career in many different fields. But I guess my biggest passion was always empowering other people and helping other people and mentoring. And so I came to this idea of I've been doing a lot of this great work all over Australia, in particular in the state that I live in, particularly focusing on developing the capabilities of young people in the STEM area. And so in 2015, I received uh, an invitation from a professor in Sarajevo, Professor Dushanka Boskovic. I know I've mentioned her so many times, but she's an incredible woman. Mm -hmm. And she said, why don't you come and speak uh, to the faculty and some of the students and see if you can inspire them. And I was so proud. That was the first time I was invited to present to Bosnia. And my parents were proud, you know, even though I achieved a lot of things in Australia. But going back to your own country, it, there's something special about that. And that's exactly where the foundation really started. It was the inspiration that I gained from the young people that I listened to in that first presentation. I actually didn't come to talk. I said to them, I want to hear from you. What's troubling you? Where can I help you? How can I divert some of my resources to make your life in the education system in Bosnia so much better? And I realized quickly that the opportunities that were in front of the young kids in Bosnia were nowhere near as vast as they were in Australia or the rest of the world, having traveled to over 100 countries around the world, I can say that you know the opportunities that kids in Bosnia have are far and few between. And so the idea about a foundation was coined after speaking to my brother, who is the co-founder of the foundation, Reshad Trustovic, and we said, we have to do something. We have to use our knowledge in the world of engineering and technology to provide opportunities to young people in Bosnia. And the Bihar Futures Foundation, or Bosnia and Herzegovina Futures Foundation, the name itself, Futures, focusing on the future of these young people and also a country much like a phoenix in rebirth. It's coming alive again and we want to be part of that future of these young people and rebuild the country through access to education, technology and leadership development. Okay, very good. Because um, what I wanted to uh, get into as well is that uh, what, what can you... Um, so what do you provide? So what do you provide to those, uh, to those students, for example, in Bosnia and Herzegovina through your foundation? Yeah, so the, the things that we provide is essentially everything and anything that a young person needs to succeed uh, in any country in the world. But maybe I can highlight you know, some of the sort of key sure. uh, value points that we provide to young people. So we started off by providing financial scholarships. And of course, you know, everyone knows the value of a financial scholarship. If I say you are get, receiving a thousand euros, you know exactly what you can buy with a thousand euros. 
But if I tell you I'm going to transform your life by putting you through a professional development program, you kind of ask a lot of questions, you know, what, what does that entail? You know, what's the value of that? What's the value of someone's time and so on? So we started realizing that the biggest help we could offer wasn't actually financial because people would take the money and pay for school or maybe not even pay for school. We didn't really know. And we started developing modules of what we could do to actually enhance them. So rather than giving them uh, money, we wanted to show them how to make that money and how to actually become competent. And as, as time went on, we developed a full suite of activities and, and, and products and services that we offered for free to all of the students that we considered scholarship recipients. And today, I have to say that uh, the value of one, one, one program that we offer to young people per year is in excess of about three and a half to 4,000 euros. Mm. So much more valuable than the original thing that we offered. And it includes some of the following. So for example, we have an industry mentoring program. Now, it's nothing innovative in the great sense of a mentorship program, but we were the first organization to offer diaspora mentoring. So we engaged many successful Bosnians and Herzegovinians all over the world and said, we don't want your money, we want your knowledge. And we want you to pass that knowledge on to young people in a one-on-one -on -one mentoring situation where we will do the matchmaking and you will have a young person in Bosnia and you will feel like your contribution is transforming the life of that person. And today we have 64 mentors from 27 or 28 countries from the top of my mind. We have people in Google, Siemens, Apple, Continental, you name it, some of the biggest companies in the world. And it is a unique program and it's essentially one of the flagship offerings in our, in our uh, foundation. We provide career counseling. We have HR experts from all over the world, but we also have resident HR experts in the foundation based in Bosnia. Uh, one of our best HR experts is Ms. Tatiana Vucic. She's a former graduate from Harvard uh, Business School, and she provides that input for all of our students. We provide exclusive access to professional development workshops with industry partners in Bosnia and across the world. We provide internships and jobs in Bosnia and across the world. In fact, I've hosted two students from Bosnia and Herzegovina in Australia. So it's been a wonderful experience from my end, having them part of my family, but also you know, enriching their life and professional development. We, of course, help students apply for applications and grants of master's and PhD programs uh, all across the world and some of the best universities that one can think of. Uh, from an education standpoint view, we have an academy. Uh, the academy runs three times a year. We rotate it around different cities in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And the reason we do that is because we want students from Banja Luka to travel to Mostar, to meet students in Mostar, we're also helping break down the ethnic barriers which exist. Even though there are surface ethnic barriers, young people are really good at networking and breaking down that tension that exists hypothetically. And our academies also allow young people to uh, meet local experts. They, they get to visit local companies. It's very sad that you have students who are studying in a city and they can't even uh, get their heads around the companies that exist in that city, yet alone the world. So. It's all about networking, professionally developing these young people at these academies. We pay for their travel. We pay for their travel expenses, all in all, accommodation, food, and so on. And the only job they have really is to be the best possible version of themselves. We offer exclusive access to monthly webinars through experts um, in different countries. We offer travel grants. Mobility is a very, very big part of our foundation, something that I've learned throughout my career. 
meeting other cultures and learning from the best in the world and transferring that knowledge back to your homeland, it really does enlighten how you think, how you behave, and also how you learn and how you tackle other people across the world. We provide funding and financial support for other external education programs. Mm -hmm. We provide funding for projects that students have. We really encourage students to learn through hands-on project funding. We have volunteering programs that are deployed countrywide. So, for example, all of our scholarship recipients are also uh, required to volunteer 100 hours in Bosnia and Herzegovina. We have a mentoring program for high schools, and our students at that level, mentor high school students, provide them with guidance. So we have this, I wouldn't say a pyramid structure, but we have this way of information flowing from the top to the bottom, but also from the bottom to the top. We have STEM outreach programs that go out to schools and not to mention support for startup companies in Bosnia. So young people that want to trial uh, a startup concept, we have mentors, we have legal support, we have business support, technical support, and everything else that comes with it. So hopefully that gives you an idea that we offer a very, very comprehensive program that Mm. students can really thrive in and grow as professionals like they would in any other country. In fact, the overall goal was always to provide them with the ecosystem that I had in Australia based in Bosnia so that one day they wouldn't have to leave the country, that they could build whatever they wanted to in their own homeland. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point because um, uh, just for disclaimer for the people who are li- listening, I am a mentor in your in your foundation as well. Uh, that's correct. And uh, what what I've noticed is uh, it, it takes me, for example, one hour of my time every month uh, to mentor someone in uh, in my home country, because uh, I, as you said, uh, you you came uh, at your at the age eleven, and I came at like age two, so I, I was even uh, even earlier in my in my life. So uh, I, I've pretty much known uh, just the Netherlands for whole my life for the whole of my life. So, yeah. um, but still, there is some big connection uh, for some reason. Uh, it, it's a bit hard to explain that connection to people. Uh, but you still have that feeling that you want to g- give back. Uh, it, it could be in in another country as well, but for some reason, uh, uh, Bosnia has always some, some kind of uh, pillar in your life, uh, uh, so to speak. So that's something that I wanted to ask you as well, is that uh, you have lived your, most of your life there. So you've uh, most uh, most of your life is, has been in Australia. So uh, why, why that strong feeling of giving something back to Bosnia? As I said, f- to me, uh, it's a bit hard to to explain that but maybe you can uh, yeah frame your uh, feeling about that yeah it's a very interesting question you know people say nostalgia well it's hard to feel nostalgia if you leave as a kid so exactly, what is yeah. it that ties you back to that i guess uh, for me personally uh, you know i'm very grateful to australia i honestly think australia is the greatest country in the world in the freedom that it's given me to be successful and my brother and my parents has taken us in so at some point in my life, I felt like, okay, well, I feel like I'm pretty complete. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve by this age. And I can't be successful if other people around me don't have that same opportunity. Mm-hmm. So having traveled back to Bosnia to visit family, there was always a tie between me and Bosnia. It was always uh, you know, in the family, it was in the home, we spoke the language at home. And then watching Bosnia just deteriorate as a result of poor politics, ethnic hate and uh, ethnic division, I really wanted to do something about that. I didn't want to be a typical person in the diaspora complaining but not doing anything about it. And I've mentioned many times to other people as well, you know, if you have a problem, everyone has a problem. But, you know, find a solution for the problem. I use that same philosophy with my students. 
don't come to me with your problem, come to me with a solution and I will guide you with that solution to make it more successful. And that's essentially the tie that I feel to Bosnia. I feel like it's my duty as someone who left the country as a kid who was fortunate enough to be you know, found in a country that is very, very uh, good towards its citizens. I now need to use the fact that I'm sitting in a position where I can influence change. I need to act upon that and I need to do something about that. It's my duty as a Bosnian and Herzegovinian. It's also my duty as an Australian. For those of you that are not aware, Australians are very, very proud about the great humanitarian work they do all over the world. We happen to live what we call the lucky country. It really is lucky. So when we're in the lucky country, we need to ensure that we can help others around the world because one day we may not be so lucky and we'll be asking for help. And I guess that's that's the love that I have towards helping others. And I love Bosnia and Herzegovina and I want to see it succeed. I want to see it being part of the greater EU collective and become a prosperous country like it once was. Yeah, and, and the the interesting part there is that a lot of people don't know, but uh, and some people do. But what what's happening uh, over there is that uh, a lot of uh, young people are leaving the country, uh, and that's a problem because, of course, uh, when there's no young people, then uh, there's probably no life after that, and uh, that's the, the the thing there is that. A lot of people ask me as well, like, okay, why why is that happening, right? So can you can you explain that why why that hap why that happens? Uh, and mostly, I think it's due to just the the kind of things you can do in, with your life, right? So uh, there's a lot of talented people there that uh, yeah that finish their for example their their uh, college or whatever and uh, they have a uh, have a nice degree but they don't have any work right so and that's the that's the point uh, if you don't have any work then yeah uh, you can have a degree but that doesn't mean anything you're not doing exactly. anything uh, exactly and and you're right a lot a lot of young people do feel like they they finish a degree and what's next you know if i yeah. can't get a job yeah you know, i look at that slightly differently there's two there's two parts to that one part is There isn't enough jobs to go around for everyone in Bosnia and Herzegovina. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. On the other hand, the education system is failing in the sense that it hasn't modernized in at least 30 or 40 years. So we haven't really progressed in how we look at employment. For example, where I work at La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia, employability of students is at the highest agenda for the university. Mm. Whereas employability in universities in Bosnia and Herzegovina is somewhere in the bottom of the food chain because it's not in the interest of professors to be able to put so much time into that. It's not what they're rewarded for. So we really have to think about you know, how we resolve that issue. One way is to start reforming education, which is a long and tedious process, or we can create this you know, a parallel ecosystem, which I use the foundation for, to in parallel develop these young people so that even though if we can't change the education system quickly enough, we can create something that will allow them to be successful. And you're right, they wouldn't be leaving the country if they had the opportunities which you and I have in the Netherlands and Australia. You know, a secure job, a good healthcare system, public transport system, and just an ability to live a normal lifestyle. I think there are pockets of excellence. The IT industry in Bosnia and Herzegovina is really, I say, a unicorn. It stands out because it doesn't really uh, get impacted so much by the politics. It really lives on its own. And people that are in the IT sector uh, really do not feel so much the pressure from the, the negativity that is surrounding them. And I think young people do have a future in Bosnia and Herzegovina. It may not occur in the next 12 months, but we're certainly working towards creating an ecosystem that will allow them to be successful. I also do have a dream to come back to Bosnia and Herzegovina and you know, help, help the country 
by living there, not just by you know, acting remotely. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, and that, that like, uh, ties into my next question uh, perfectly. Is that, uh, of course, the IT industry is is very big, um, but I can imagine that a lot of the things that you do is, or the organization is, a challenge because it is uh, remotely at the moment. So, how do you how do you work around that? That's a very interesting question, and 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 definitely not an easy thing to do. You know, my parents always ask me. You know, how can you lead an organization from Australia in Bosnia? So, thankfully, we have this thing called the internet, which has enabled communication to happen worldwide. It's enabling you and I to speak right now. Uh, It also enables me to basically empower people uh, from from a remote location. It does, of course, require you to visit Bosnia and Herzegovina. So, I travel to Bosnia on average about four to five times a year, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on where my worldly travel and work takes me. But I think uh, the most important thing is to have a really good team. You know, the foundation is not Eddie Trustovic and it's not my brother, Rashad Trustovic. The foundation is many, many people across world, across the world. I'd like to say that, you know, you're also part of our foundation. So you're making, you know, yeah, my dream sure. and the dream of these students come true. So we're one big family and we share responsibilities. I try to make students and young people understand it's not my foundation, it's our foundation. So that whole sense of ownership and belonging means that we all care and we all put in, if I can't do it today, you do it today and we cover for each other. So it's this global network of like-minded young people who want to see change, who want to inspire the next generation. And that really is how the foundation functions. And so being remotely uh, accessible is not really uh, something that stops us from doing what we do. We, we use the best of technologies today to make that happen and we use people on the ground to execute wherever we can. Yeah, and that, that's that's uh, that's the beauty of the technology in this uh, in that sense. Um, what what I was wondering about as well is that you mentioned uh, that you work at the university. Um, so h- how does that work with the time that you have to put in into the foundation? Is that mostly your own time, or does the uh, university help with that as well? Uh, you, you ask you ask great questions. That's why I'm giggling over here. So. <laughs> The found, uh, so the foundation is run a lot in my spare time, but the, fa- the university is very understanding of my philanthropic work. I guess partly because I'm, been, I'm involved in a lot of the philanthropic work of the university itself. So I am a donor uh, to, the founda- uh, to the university. I'm also uh, a mentor within the university. I mentor staff. I mentor students. I'm also a big advocate for our university because it is a very big philanthropic uh, focused university. And so naturally, a lot of the stuff that I've learned and how to do that with the foundation has come from the university, but also my work with the Institute of Electrical Electronic Engineers, which is the world's largest professional organization. So leveraging the knowledge from these organizations helps a lot. I have very understanding heads of department, deans of engineering. Uh, on top of all of that, I work around the clock. So I create time in my schedule by working days and nights. And so that gives me flexibility to fly and do things. At the end of the day, it's the results that count. So if you're, if you're delivering the results that the university wants you to deliver, you know, they won't ask you where you are and how you're doing that. It is challenging to teach classes at times when I'm on the road, but I have a great team of uh, individuals working in my lab and they help a lot in delivering all of that content. And uh, we have a very high employability rate with our students. So everyone's happy at the end of the day. Yeah, very cool. And uh, what what was uh, also a question that popped into my mind just now is that 
you mentioned that you, uh, as a foundation, give out these scholarships. So uh, how do how do you select the the correct students for that, or not the correct students, but how do you select the people that are going to receive that scholarship? Yeah, uh, well, right now, in fact, uh, our scholarship call is open right now, and it's closing at the end of this month. Uh, so this is the probably the best iteration of our scholarship uh, rounds because we've now got something like 50 to 60 students who are already part of the foundation and they are our ambassadors and they are out there at their university campuses giving presentations, promoting the activities of the foundation and, of course, uh, demystifying you know, a lot of the question marks which people have. How is it possible that you can offer all of this to young people? What's, what's the catch? And uh, so the way we select young people is really based on recommendations. So we allow current members of the foundation, students, to recommend their colleagues to enter. Of course, they have to apply with a motivational letter. They have to look at our mission and vision of what we want to achieve. They go through the application process. We then interview every single one of the students who has successfully completed the application that's needed. And we assess them not only on their technical knowledge, but also mostly, in fact, on the emotional intelligence which they possess and the potential and the capacity which they have and how how easily can we build them up as a professional in this world. That's the selection process that we go through. Eventually, they end up in our program and we put them through various orientation and training before we allow them to access all of the other uh, options that we offer through the foundation, including the mentorship program. So we don't just throw them in the deep end right away, but we do put through a lot of time to uh, train them to get there. Yeah, and uh, listening to that, I'm, I'm, what's popping up into my head is that it's a pretty big organization, or actually, it's a big organizational effort to get all, all of this, uh, all of this together. So uh, that usually means that there is some kind of need for a funding or whatever. So how do you, uh, how, how is that done? So how do you get that? How do you get that done? Yeah, correct. So that we do need a lot of funding. In fact, uh, our activities uh, consume a lot of not only finances, but also consume a lot of time and uh, a lot of effort from a lot of people all over the world. So up until now, I'd say probably 90% of uh, the activities in the foundation have been founded uh, and funded by my brother and I. Uh, and we don't have a problem with this. You know, I have to say we're, we're reasonably well off. We're, we're not billionaires, but we're doing okay. And uh, the reason we're funding it like that is because we don't want people to just give us money because they feel sorry for these people. We want people to feel a responsibility to help. And I guess the mentorship program is really one way of doing that. We wanted people who are very, I guess, uh, successful all over the world to see what we're doing firsthand by inspiring young people to do great things. And hopefully through the mentorship program, if we did a call for fundraising now, people would understand that what we're doing is very, very useful. We're transforming the lives of young people and they wouldn't have an issue funding the activities that we're putting together because they won't truly believe in what we're doing. So this year we're organizing five major meetup events. There'll be another one in Melbourne, Australia, where my brother and I live. We're organizing one in Stockholm, Sweden. We're organizing one in Boston. We're organizing one in Chicago and also one in San Francisco. So These are just starting points, and we're not organizing them as fundraising events. We're actually organizing them as Bosnian professionals meetup events. Mm. We are connecting companies in Bosnia with companies that are run by successful Bosnian and Herzegovinian diaspora, and we're also bringing along some of our students to showcase how we can build a successful ecosystem where everyone has benefits, and we're all doing good, and at the end of the day, 
that the side benefit is that the country is overall prospering in the right way. Yeah, and that that's the interesting part here is that um, it it you see the kind of direct effect that that it has, right? So uh, me being in the mentorship program, I, I see that as well. Is that uh, this this uh, guy in this case that I'm uh, I'm mentoring? Um, it's he he asked like all sorts of questions, right? It's not like it's just work based and uh, how do I get better in in the field that I'm in right now, which is IT. Um, but Correct. it's also other things like, okay, um, say for instance, how is life there, right? So how is life uh, within the Netherlands or within, uh, I can imagine, in Australia or whatever? Because he, um, the guy that I'm mentoring was actually at your uh, at your place or in, in Melbourne in this case yeah, uh, for yeah. about a few months. So uh, th- that that's, that's what's interesting to me is that it's not just... Uh, changing someone in a professional uh, kind of work environment, but also in a personal development uh, role, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ahmed, because w- what we're doing is we're, we're providing knowledge of the world to these people. You've got to remember some of these kids come from small towns in Bosnia and Herzegovina. They, they haven't experienced metropolitan life. They haven't really seen the world. So by having a mentor who lives in a metropolitan part of the world, has traveled the world, you're transferring your personal experiences and view of how life should be led to this young individual. So you're essentially helping shape their future and aspirations of where they can go and what they can be. A lot of them are enclosed in a system where they feel that they cannot reach the the success that you and I and other people have had. And what we're doing through this is opening new doors of opportunity. In fact, the young individual that you're mentioning, in fact, your mentee, is a gentleman called Momchilo Armovic. Yes. So Momchilo was born uh, in a place called Sokolats. Uh, it's in a mountain range in, in eastern, sort of eastern Bosnia. And his family comes from the village. And so you got to remember, Momchilo has aspired to become much greater than anyone else has aspired in his family. And he's doing everything that he can to be the best version of himself. So the advice that he receives from someone like you is empowering him to dream bigger, to be better, to really help others. And I think what we've achieved in a short time with Momchilo, because we've had him visit Australia for three months, is he will now go back to Bosnia. He's now energized to make a difference. He now understands what our vision and mission really are firsthand, and he will mentor others, and he will be our ambassador. So that flow-on effect is really going to help us bring change much, much quicker than one individual can do in this instance. Yeah, it's a little bit like the paying it forward movement that was... Uh, that Absolutely, was, you got it, you got it. Yeah, so what, um, I have two more questions. So what, what's the dream, right? So what, what, what's the dream that you have with the foundation? Well, I think my, my biggest aspiration with the foundation is really, first of all, to break down all of the ethnic division that exists in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I just think there is no room in modern society for any of that irrespective of what's happened you know, in, a, in that tragic war in the former Yugoslavia and in Bosnia, I think it's time that we look forward, we look towards the future, that we build a country which you know, has respect for everyone, regardless of your nationality, um, you know, sexual orientation, ethnic belonging, whatever that may be. So the foundation is serving as a vehicle of change. It's bringing about a modernization of education. It's empowering young people to take responsibility of their own future, but also to remember that right now things may not be functioning the way we want them to function, 
But we have to make change on ourselves first. We have to start with us, and then we can start changing the system. So if we're not ready to make that change, you know, we, we can't expect other people to change. And my biggest goal really is to empower these people to become young leaders who are globally connected to our diaspora, but also to the rest of the world, and to take that knowledge and make change. We can create a better future for Bosnia and Herzegovina, and I want these young people to be the agents of change. Yeah. And of course, my last question, and uh, you know what's coming because you've listened to the podcast a few times. Uh, so, what what are you most proud of since you since you started this whole uh, this whole project? Yeah, I think it's the young people that we've inspired throughout this whole process. You know, we've now come to a point where we have developed leadership capability in young people, where we now have a former student, he's still a student at university who is now an actual board member of our foundation. And for some people, that sounds ludicrous because you might say, how can a student be a board member? But it's just to demonstrate that we well and truly believe in young people's capabilities. You don't have to be 60 years old with 20 companies behind you to be responsible and to rise to the occasion. And this organization's motto really is by young people for young people. I well and truly stand behind that motto. And the example, the concrete example really is that we have a young person, a student, a fourth year student of Faculty of Electrical Engineering in Tuzla, who is now a board member, rubbing shoulders with much more experienced senior people. That is the future of Bosnia Herzegovina. We want to give young people power and we want them to be responsible in bringing about change. Yeah, and in a lot of senses, that that says also that age is but a number, right? I mean, uh, in, in most cases, people will... Uh, say okay because that person is younger or whatever uh, they cannot do this or they cannot do that right and that's that's something that uh, we need to <laughs> need to get rid of a little bit of course uh, they will be a little bit more um, a little bit less experienced than others but uh, i think that yeah. uh, i think that that's the correct way to go about it because uh, it's if you don't put in that trust if you don't empower those those people those young people to get to their, where they are, uh, they won't do it, right? There's a lot of people that uh, also, uh, in my pers personal case, uh, said like, okay, you're not going to be able to do that. And when someone says that to me, I'm, I'm even more <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of fired up to do it because uh, I want to, to show that it can be done, right? And that's... Exactly. I think we can use stubbornness in a very positive way. Yeah. You know? And I think we have a lot of stubborn people in Bosnia and Herzegovina. <laughs> a lot. We just channel, we channel that energy in the, in, in the right way. And I think we need to lead by example in this instance. We need to show young people that it is possible and that you can be a part of that you know, success. Very nice, very nice. Uh, what I would like to do is also uh, ask you, uh, how can people find the foundation? Yeah, very, very easily. So just hop on our webpage where the webpage is uh, bhfuturesfoundation.org. You can also visit our Facebook page, Bosnia Herzegovina Futures Foundation, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're on every single social media platform. And uh, yeah, you can read more about us. Feel free to contact me or any of the guys in our foundation. We're more than happy to help and answer questions. And by the way, the foundation isn't really just for people uh, in Bosnia and Herzegovina and our diaspora. We have lots of friends and uh, people who are of other nationalities who just want to see Bosnia succeed as a country. Exactly, yeah. There's been far too much conflict. And a lot of our donors and supporters are uh, people of you know 100 countries across the world. So really... You're welcome to join us in this cause if you want to bring uh, peace, if you want to bring 
you know, a mutual respect in Bosnia and success, join us. It's a great cause and I'll be more than welcome to bring you into the family. Very cool. And uh, of course, I will link it down below uh, in the um, in the post that I will do on the, on the podcast website, of course. Uh, thank you, Eddie, uh, a lot for your time and also what you're doing with the foundation. It's uh, very inspiring to see someone that uh, wants to make a change. And that, that's uh, what, uh, what this is all about. Thank you, Ahmed. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and congratulations on all the amazing work that you're doing in highlighting thank some you. of these success stories. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, of course, for the listeners, uh, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and also uh, on the Twitter, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. It's all Bits vs. Bytes and also the uh, all major podcasting platforms. So Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes. Uh, well, that's the same thing, actually. <laughs> and of course, uh, Spotify. SoundCloud and uh, and Stitcher for example Um, and I would like to thank you for listening and until next time